Hello, my badass fire starters. Welcome to Rebirth of Venus. My name is Caitlin Matanley, and this show is all about achieving the sacred pleasure of your highest potential through spirituality, self-empowerment, entrepreneurship, and magic. It's time to unabashedly blaze your own path by turning up the volume on your total authenticity. I'm an outlaw life and success coach for rebel boss witches and modern mystics, and I'm so excited to have you join me. Thank you for listening. When people talk about industries being saturated, it's only because everyone out there is trying to be a carbon copy of everyone else. Kara Alwaleba. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rebirth of Venus with Caitlin Matanley. Today, I am talking to the one, the only, Kara Alwaleba of the Champagne Diet about how to choose yourself, burn the rule book, and step into the power of your authenticity and individuality. So this is a topic that is really exciting for me to talk about because if you've been following me for, you know, more than 20 seconds, <laughs> you know that to me, authenticity and re- really the celebration of who you are at your core, of who you are, flaws and all, that authenticity to me is the secret sauce that brings you everything you desire. Whether you're an entrepreneur and you are talking about you attracting clients or whether you're talking about you attracting community, your people, your chosen family, your sisters, your soul sisters, your soul brothers, whether it's about attracting opportunities and, you know, experiences where you really get to shine with your gifts. All of that becomes possible when you are able to celebrate who you are and really let that authenticity shine. And so I'm so excited to have this conversation with Kara today. In fact, I'm personally giving away three copies of Kara's latest book, Girl on Fire. So be sure to listen until the end of the episode for the details on how to win. But before we get into that, before we get into the interview, I want to tell you just about a couple things happening over here in my world as the year or the decade. Although some people are saying like, I guess the decade doesn't technically start until 2021. I don't know about all that. I mean, I'm not doing the math around it. To me, you know, 1990s started in 1990. Come on. And I know supposedly that means like the first decade of all time was only nine years. But, you know, that was a long time ago. Nobody cares anymore. (laughs) So I consider this the end of the decade. And I have a lot of things going on over here. I just wanted to update you on because like many of you, as things are coming to a close, both for the year, for the goddamn decade, you know, it's it's time to kind of take stock of what we want to do differently and to really make sure that we're on the track we want to be on. So I've made some changes over here. I want to make sure you're clued in before we get into this really exciting interview that I'm so, so thrilled to share with you. So first off, if you follow me on social media or you're on my email list, and if you're not doing that, either of those, both of those, you can, of course, get the links in the show notes to, you know, my social media as well as, which is really just Instagram because like, yeah, I'm on Facebook, but Instagram's where it's at. Come on, people. Um, As well as the link to my email list. And where was I? Lost my train of thought as always. Oh, yeah. So if you've been following me over there, you may have seen that I recently transitioned to my real life name, which is Caitlin Matanley, the name you know me by, (laughs) on all social media platforms and my website. So previously, I was Rebirth of Venus. Obviously, my name was not a secret, (laughs) but I recently transitioned to be Caitlin Matanley across the board, CaitlinMatanley.com, at Caitlin Matanley on Instagram. And in addition, I, I kept the name of the show Rebirth of Venus. Now it's Rebirth of Venus with Caitlin Matanley. But if you're wondering what was behind this, I felt the push from my own higher self, from my guides, from you know wherever I get my guidance, who even knows, to make this switch for some time. But I'm going to admit it was intimidating. Now, I mean, first of all, it was intimidating because Caitlin Matanley, I have to I have to be honest with y'all, in my entire goddamn lifetime, people have spelled that name 
correctly maybe twice and they have said it correctly the first time maybe once (laughs) literally when I graduated from high school I had to give like a phonetic spelling of my name which was an option you know and I had to employ that option to assure that I wasn't like Caitlin Matangle, Caitlin Matinelli. You know, I can't even tell you the number of variations that have been delivered on my name. Now that I live in Mexico, nobody can say my first name. Caitlin is just like, it's hard for people. So <laughs> I had a lot of hangups around that. And on top of that, you know, I had this story that people would be confused and stop listening to me if they if I changed my name of my business, which wasn't really like a total change. It was just going to my actual given name, which is kind of funny because, hello, I'm a Gemini ascendant. The idea that anyone would, you know, even have the opportunity to not listen to me is hilarious because I pretty much talk until people listen. (laughs) I remember one of my mentors, Amanda Francis, she said, basically, when you're like, you know, sharing an offer online, you have to just talk about it until people listen. And I identify with that with everything I do. Anyway, so it was the funny thing was I finally decided to just fucking go for it because let's face it, nobody really cares. <laughs> um, I decided to just go for it because I finally received my name change paperwork. So if you're wondering what that's about, I got divorced almost three years ago. And I finally received my name change paperwork returning legally to my maiden name. Because all I have to say is that government bureaucracy is the one thing I still procrastinate with horribly. So I basically had opted to use my maiden name while, you know, without officially changing it back for the past few years. And once I finally received this paperwork, which, like many bureaucratic things, was actually really not that hard to do. <laughs> I just had this huge, again, story that it was going to be this big production. And I didn't think it would make a big difference to me because, you know, I was still using my name, Caitlin Matanley. I still, Caitlin Matanley, my first, was my first and middle name when I had changed my name in my previous marriage. And so I was still connected to that name, so I didn't think it would be a big deal. And yet when I got the paperwork, I was pretty, I was struck with emotion, I have to admit, because it was like, wow, I'm finally reclaiming my name, this thing I didn't even realize I had lost. And so I knew, knew, knew it was time to finally reclaim that name in my business as well. So I did, and it feels fucking good. So if you've noticed that, that's what's up with that. And um. Yeah, there's my life story behind that. <laughs> okay, in other news, my digital course on rapid personal transformation, The Chariot, is returning one last time as a self-guided course before the end of the year. So if you are new to my world, you've never heard of The Chariot before, this is my course on practical and energetic quantum leaping. It teaches you how to get out of your own head, take rapid action, like really fast action that gets you someplace quickly and finally make the big change you've been longing for in four weeks or less. So because this version of the program is self-guided in the past has been a live program, now it's self-guided. You can start as soon as you purchase the program because basically I believe that 2020 quantum leaps are made in December, not January. So don't procrastinate get in the course, there's not going to be another opportunity to join this course in 2020. So this is your chance. Let's make it happen. I'm also hosting an epic digital party. It's a private party on December 29th for all members past and present of the chariot because everyone in the chariot who's joined the previous rounds gets access to all the updated goodness. So get the link to the course in the show notes to learn all about this and the other bonuses, the payment options and more, or you can head to caitlinmatanley.com slash the chariot. Finally, last thing, this podcast is going to be continued to be produced regularly, which is fucking awesome because I love putting this podcast out regularly for you all. So going into 2020, I'll be playing with more freedom with the scheduling of the show. So I've been pretty rigid up until now, Friday episodes, basically every week, unless, you know, I decide that it's going to be like a break for the show or something. So I've been coming out every Friday 
and pretty much every other Tuesday or Wednesday. So I'm going to be releasing that strict schedule. You can, ex- still, you can still expect solo episodes as well as interviews several times a month. So there's still going to be about, you know, probably about three to four episodes a month, but they will be a little more scattered. You can think of them as like little surprise nuggets that show up in your notifications. You see that a new podcast episode has dropped. So you can expect that. And, you know, that's all there is to say about that. (laughs) I feel like I had like a little, you know, some kind of a, a deep thesis of all of those statements, but I don't. So anyway, all that goodness has been delivered. So let's get into the interview. Make sure to listen until the end of the episode, like I said, to find out how you can enter to win a copy of Girl on Fire written by our guest, Kara Alwaleba. I'm going to give you all the details at the end of the show, so make sure to listen so you can get a copy of the book for free. Kara Alwaleba is a best-selling personal development author, entrepreneur, and creator of the Champagne Diet blog. She encourages women to live their most effervescent lives, celebrate themselves every day, and make their happiness a priority. Over 6 million, yes, 6 million, listeners worldwide tune into Kara's podcast, Style Your Mind, each week for powerful conversations and a mega dose of inspiration. She's the author of eight best-selling books that have inspired women around the world to step into their power and fulfill their potential. Her newest book is Girl on Fire, How to Choose Yourself, Burn the Rule Book, and Blaze Your Own Trail in Life and Business. Kara is also the owner of a glamorous digital vintage shop, Dagmar Rose Vintage, and a new blog on modern plant-based lifestyle called Glamorously Well. I am so excited to bring this interview to you. Thank you for tuning in, and I'll talk to you at the end of the episode. Welcome to the show, Kara. I'm so excited to have you. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So I want to just dive in today. You are such a positive example in the online space of someone who does exactly what they want (laughs) in life and business. And in doing so, you really devote yourself completely to your vision, no matter who doesn't get it and who doesn't like it. And the best part is you've become massively successful doing so, whether it's starting new projects that, you know, to the uh, to the initial observer, it may not necessarily, you know, be the same as what people have seen you do before. So I have a question for you. Were you always this fearless in terms of putting yourself out there and staying true to your vision? You know, I was, and I have to say this actually came up at a talk that I gave on Thursday night last week. You know, people were talking about fear and and doing things and just going for it. And it really has been something that has come naturally to me. It doesn't mean that I don't have fears or have anxieties, but I've always felt very comfortable just going for things and just and just trying and seeing what happens. It's funny, the first kind of thing that I ever did, I don't know if you know this, but I used to have a zine. I was uh, 17 and it was a, like a music fanzine. And I started it with a friend and our goal <laughs> was to interview the Smashing Pumpkins. That's why we started this whole zine. And like, we we'd you know create it in our you know bedrooms or whatever like photocopy it go to shows and hand it out we'd interview bands we would write poetry and to get the interviews i would have to call record labels and i would ask to speak to the publicist of the band and i was 17 years old doing this and they had no idea how old i was i would say that i was the editor in chief of honey spider fanzine i had letterheads everything that i made on the computer and i just did it and i i that was like my first kind of uh, entry into entrepreneurship before I even knew like really how to be an entrepreneur. I didn't even know I was doing it at the time. And I just got such a great response to, from it. And I really learned that when you do take yourself seriously and put yourself out there, other people take you seriously and they respond to that. So it has kind of come naturally, but it, it's because I really have just always continued to, to do it and to practice it. I think it gets easier to put yourself out there the more that you're doing it, the more often that you're doing it. I love this story so much. And actually, I did know this because I was also a high school zine maker. (laughs) (laughs) And even better, I actually put it on my college application. (laughs) The same, just like you did. I was like, I'm the editor-in-chief of The Offbeat, which is what it was called. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like you have to put your, you have to promote yourself, right? You have to, and again, you took yourself seriously. So I'm sure that that helped you getting into school. People saw that and respected it. 
I mean, I needed something because I had like zero extracurriculars. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So you've been extremely open about your journey becoming an author from being rejected to publishers, rejected by publishers for your first couple of books and then deciding just fuck it, let's self-publish. And of course, the cool part is when you self-publish, you actually achieved this massive success that I'm sure played a role in later you getting a book deal. However, for this most recent book that you published, you decided to return to self-publishing. And you talk about this in the book. So in Girl on Fire, you said, from the outside looking in, I'm sure nobody would believe or even understand why I felt this way. You were talking about, you know, feeling kind of bad about the whole ringamarole, honestly, of the publishing world. And you know, you talk about how you finally had this book deal and you had an advance and you know you were living the dream, but you were miserable. And the quote that really stood out to me about this was, when you're a forward-thinking entrepreneur at the core, it can be frustrating to work with people, systems, and models that are outdated. I felt like I had gone backwards. I felt held back. Can you tell us more about this experience? I know so many people out there want to do things like write a book, and it can be really hard to believe that it's not all it's cracked up to be, you know, getting that big publisher. So what was your experience like, and why did you decide to say, fuck that, and return to self-publishing where you had found, you know, just as much success in the past? Yeah, so a lot of people don't really understand how the publishing industry works. And again, it is an outdated model. It just is, you know? And in the past, it was the only way to publish a book, right? It was like really the only option that authors had. They had to be selected by a publisher. The publisher handled everything. They had all the connections to booksellers. They, you know, were able to help you design, you know, the cover, uh, help you edit the book. But things started changing, I would say, probably about 10 years ago in the self-publishing space. And Amazon created a company called Create Space, which is now called KDP, Kindle Direct Publishing. And they made it really easy for authors to self-publish. It They essentially created a platform where you could print on demand. Books would be printed on demand. So they would, you would literally just upload your files, you know, like they would send you the requirements. You'd write your book, you know, edit it, design your cover all on your own, upload your book, and they put it on Amazon. And you get a very nice royalty rate from that. So you don't have books in your house. You don't have boxes of books that you're like, you know, selling to people in the street. <laughs> like you're not, you don't really have to do anything. You don't, it's just so, it's like plug and play. So around the time that the industry was starting to change, I started to notice it. My first book, actually, I, let me back up here. I wanted a traditional book deal because when I first started writing, the self-publishing space was very different than it is now. So I was still kind of clinging to that old dream. And I I thought that I was going to have this book deal. I thought that, you know, everything was going to be peachy and I would have this like great opportunity and see my books in stores and have this like dream that I had from a little girl. And my first book was rejected 19 times by 19 different publishers. I didn't even know that there were 19 publishers. I thought there were like five (laughs) or six. (laughs) So here I was like, oh, wow, okay. Uh, Not only was I told no once, I was told no 19 times. And that was the time that I was sort of keeping one eye on the self-publishing space and on what Amazon was doing. So I decided that I was not going to let these 19 random people decide my future and I was going to go ahead and self-publish. And that's exactly what I did. And I put my, I did my first book called Sparkle. I put that up on Amazon on the, you know, using their platform and it started selling. I had a, you know, a very small of my platform of my own at that point with my blog, but it started selling and it started making money and it started doing well. And I started to see like, wow, I don't actually don't need anybody else. Like this is, this is amazing. Like I'm getting like a check every month for like a couple hundred bucks. And, you know, my book is there at barnesandnoble.com picked it up. It started, I think even maybe Target picked it up at that point. They might've picked up my second book, but target.com, all these retailers were now like stocking the book online. It was on Amazon. I could order author copies for like $2 and sell them at my events. And it was just like this awesome sense of freedom. So I continued to write because I, that's just my, my career. I always want to continue writing books. So I wrote a couple more books and then I wrote a book called Girl Code. And that is kind of the book that like put me on the map. And that book wound up selling 50,000 copies like within its almost its first year, maybe a little bit over a year. And just to put things in perspective, the traditionally published book with a publisher 
if if a book is considered like a hit, it sells like ten thousand copies Damn in its girl. lifetime. Get it. Right? A decent <laughs> yeah, the the average book, yeah. The average book, you know, with a publisher sells about three thousand copies. Those are the statistics that online from Publishers Weekly. You can look them up. The average self-published author will sell like 250 copies, like maybe of her book, his book. Um, so I was doing really well. And at that point, publishers started to take notice and Penguin Random House came knocking on my door and they were like, hey, we want to talk to you. And of course I was flattered because it was like, wow, I'm finally getting noticed. I'm finally getting chosen. You know, they, they like me. I'm good enough. These are the thoughts going through my head. I, I made it right. I'm successful enough. I'm good enough now. Now they want me. This was still this sort of like, like, th- like thing playing in my mind. And I met with them and I sat down with them and I, you know, talked to them about doing another book. And then they decided that they also wanted to offer me uh, a double book deal. So they bought the rights to Girl Code and I decided to do my next book with them. And I I don't have many regrets in life because I do think that everything teaches us something, but I do wish that I would have kept Girl Code for myself, to be honest with you, because the entire – like just the whole process of working with the publisher is so different than anyone could imagine, right? So when you're looking at the self-publishing space, you could get a book up there like in a matter of weeks. Like it's as basically as fast as you can write, <laughs> you can publish your book. It takes about 24 hours for Amazon to approve your book and have it up there for sale. Traditional publishing, you're looking at like at least 12 to 18 months once you sign your book deal, which takes, you know, depending, like it could take a month, it could take a few months. So here I was like, you know, I signed this deal and I signed my book deal in like January of 2017. And like She Owns a Place came out in the summer of 2018. So by that point, I was just like exhausted. I was like, okay, this is, I wrote this book so long ago and now I have to get out there and start promoting it. And like, I'm sure you can relate to this. Like as an entrepreneur, I work quickly. Like when I'm moving through things when I'm talking about a certain topic or I'm writing about something, like I'm talking about it and then I'm moving on to the next thing that's inspiring me. You know, so it was weird to all of a sudden have to like pick this thing up again and start talking about it. It, it, Not that I wasn't passionate about like she owns the place. I, I love that book, but mentally I was not there anymore because I had written it, even though it wasn't out yet, if that makes sense. And I had to, you know, change the conversation basically to my audience. And just the experience like with, you know, marketing and PR, like most authors are not going to be splashed across the New York Times. They're not going to have this like big book party thrown for them. They're not going to have like all of this press. I didn't get any press from them that I couldn't have gotten on my own. In fact, I think like maybe I got featured on like a couple of random blogs, but there was nothing to speak of in terms of marketing efforts or PR efforts. And I found myself just feeling really let down. I was like, wow, why did I even <laughs> do this? Like I could have kept like, you know, m- like a lot more money in terms of royalties if I would have self-published this book. I could have done it on my own timeline. I could have gotten all of my own press. So the the whole experience, again, I don't regret it, but it was just – it was something I know now looking back that I had to go through to appreciate how much I love doing things on my own, right? Like as an indie author – doing it on my own terms, I had this like renewed sense of like passion. So when the time came to write like she owns, uh, to write Girl on Fire, I knew that I was going to do it on my own. And I told them, I was very honest about it. Like they knew that I, my publisher knew I wasn't happy. Um, my editor totally like got it. She was like, you know, we would love to do another book with you obviously, but we understand and we wish you the best. And I parted ways with them and I self-published this book. And this book is really all about choosing yourself. And I was so fired up, no pun intended, to write this book because I felt like I just had to share this experience with the world. And I had to reaffirm to women everywhere that you do not need to wait for someone to choose you. You do not need a gatekeeper. You do not need an editor, a publisher, uh, you know, a company. Nobody has to pick you. You have to pick yourself. And the sooner you can be you know, out there living your life without permission and doing it on your own terms, the more successful you're going to feel and the more, the happier you're going to be. It's so true. And it's really interesting to hear so many people speaking out against this right now, because it's interesting how, you know, I feel like in the age of like these gigantic influencers, a lot of publishers, they want somebody who has an enormous following already. And actually you talk about that, I believe in Girl on Fire, about how, one of the criticisms of your previous um, 
your, your previous book that you had pitched to publishers was that you didn't have a big enough following, which is kind of hilarious thinking now because now you have an enormous following. <laughs> but, you know, they want like they want somebody who has this audience because they aren't willing to create that audience for you. Exactly. You know, gone are the days of like these fully financed book tours. You know, a lot of I know a lot of authors now, young authors are using their book advances to, you know, pay to for the photography in their book and yeah. pay for the book tour itself. It's it's just really a different world now. Yeah. They didn't set up one event for me, like nothing, zero. <laughs> like there is no, I remember I actually asked them many times, I want to do a book signing in Barnes and Noble because I thought, listen, if I, if the one thing they can do for you is get you into Barnes and Noble and airports. Okay. Big deal. Right. But I felt like, well, if I'm in Barnes and Noble and I have this book deal, I want to do a book signing. And they flat out told me no. My publicist flat out said, no, that's not going to happen. And I was like, okay, great. (laughs) So I mean, it's just, it's so different and it's just pointless. And really, like you said, they want someone with a following to do all the work because their interest is financial, right? They want to make money off of you. They want to make money off your book. And I think when you realize that you have, if you have a big following, especially, why would you give that away? Why would you let them come in and take over and keep the lion's share of the royalties, keep the creative control, maintain the rights to your book for whatever the length of your contract is. It just makes no sense. It's absolutely true. And and the funny thing is though, I know a lot of people are listening right now and they're thinking, okay, Kara, it's easy for you to say, (laughs) you know, you've Mm -hmm. put these books out, you have a huge following, you have, you know, achieved success by sort of conventional standards, even if it wasn't always through the conventional path. So going back, going back to those first couple of books, going back to Sparkle, going back to Fearless and Fabulous, what kept you going when you were being rejected, when you weren't sure if what you were doing was going to work, if anyone cared? What kept you moving forward? My vision. Honestly, it was just my vision. I had this whole like and I still do. I mean, the personal development space, I find, and I say this, like, I don't want to sound like I'm coming off like bitchy or rude, but I find the personal development space to be extremely boring. I think it is extremely uh, (laughs) boring. I don't think there's a lot of creativity. (laughs) I don't think there's a lot of authenticity in it. I see cookie cutter coaches, cookie cutter authors. I see the same things written about in books over and over again. And I think it's just a complete bore. So from day one, I was like, I want to speak to women who feel the way I feel. I want to be like a breath of fresh air for this industry. I want to talk to girls who, you know, love nice things and want to go out and have their champagne and like love to get dressed up and love fashion and love like just different things. Like I just, I don't want to just, you know, read these books and feel so disconnected from them. So I wanted to basically create like a movement and that is what kept me going. And I had an idea for it. I I could just see it all like unfolding in front of my eyes. And even if no one else could see that, I knew that I had to follow through on that. I knew that I had to create something that I wanted to see in this space, right? Like I I love the, the phrase, create what you wish existed because it's so true. If you want something and you can see it, chances are other people are going to want it too. Even if it's, you know, I had nobody following me in the beginning, right? I started like from zero. So I think for anyone listening who's like, yeah, it's easy for you to say you have a following, but like I've written nine books. I've been doing this for 11 years. So you have to have patience and you have to have clarity of your vision. I think those are the two of the most like underrated, you know, things in our industry. People want everything yesterday and people don't want to wait and people just want a built-in, you know, audience or they want something to just, they want to know it's going to be successful, but you have no idea. So I had to just stay true to myself, stay true to my vision and be patient and be willing to do whatever it took and be willing to work as long as I needed to work on it for it to happen. I love how honest you are about that work ethic that's necessary. I know you and I are both earth sign women. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we take you know work ethic seriously. And you've talked about this a lot, how you know you do believe that, you know, in a lot of these sort of law of attraction ideas that, you know, if your your mindset can shape the opportunities that are created for you and that most importantly you create for yourself. However, at the end of the day, it's about hard work. It's about Having that vision, that thing that's bigger than this challenge in front of you, it's bigger than that book. It's bigger than this one, you know, course you're creating or something like that. It's bigger. It's a movement. And I really applaud you for being honest about that and for not really, I I do see a tendency of a lot of people to 
once they have achieved success, kind of forget about how much work it took to get there and say it was just like positive thinking and <laughs> And you know what? It's even more work when you get there because you want to maintain it and you want to go even higher and you want to do even more. And, you know, like it doesn't end. It never ends. I never stop working. I never – I don't want to. I love what I do. You know, I'm sure you feel the same way. Like when you have a passion for something – it doesn't get any easier. I think it actually gets harder. So if you are not prepared for that and that doesn't interest you, like don't go into entrepreneurship. Like just, you know, remain comfortable wherever you are with your life because you have to be willing to just be exhausted and you have to be willing to do anything, like anything, whatever it takes, like for your dream. Like, I mean, I still hustle so much. Like I say yes to almost every single interview, uh, any event that I can do. I travel. I I mean, I just, I keep working because I know that I'm not done yet. And I know that I I don't think anybody ever really like takes a break. I mean, well, you can take a break, but nobody ever really like stops working hard. If you think about the people that you admire and, you know, women that you admire, like I just, I think that it's a very – it's a very dangerous conversation, right? Like this whole idea of like manifesting things and just thinking them into existence. You can think about them and you should think about them, but the other half of manifesting is doing the hard work that's not glamorous, that's not pretty, <laughs> that does make you sometimes have moments of, you know, uh whatever, exhaustion, doubt, fear. Like that's real stuff and we have to talk about that because I think from especially like Instagram does a great job at making everything look glossy and pretty and easy. And it's, it's anything, but if you're actually doing the work and you're in it, you know, that it's, it's all bullshit. It's really powerful to me how, you know, you talked about, you know, that willingness to get your message out there because, and everyone has a different business model and I'm not really knocking anyone else's choices, but I feel, you know, really inspired by your desire just to get your message out there. Like you said, saying yes to interviews, saying, you know, yes to connection. You answer a lot of your Instagram messages live, um, in person, I know. You have sent books to women in other countries who didn't have access to the books. It seems like the core of everything you do is that same vision, that same message of connection. And you talk about in Girl on Fire that, you know, really your goal was simply to connect, you know, showing up day after day, offering value, offering connection without necessarily asking for anything in return. And you know, I really believe in the tipping point that those actions add up and that eventually, you know, sometimes seemingly overnight, they rapidly push you forward. And I'm curious, was there a point for you that you remember at which it just seemed to all add up and start taking off? I would say around the time Girl Code came out, that's when I started to notice that this was like becoming much bigger than I really thought it would. And it seemed like it happened quickly. And, but it's funny because in reality it was anything but fast, but I think that book really spoke to people and it spoke to large groups of people. And it's, you know, there's a a quote that I love. It's like, I have to find it for you. I'm going to like look it up while we're talking because it's so good, but it's a testament to the fact that word of mouth is probably like your best marketing strategy because what happened with Girl Code and is, is exactly what's happening now with Girl on Fire people are talking about it. People are sharing it. People are, you know, coming out like in, like in masses to, to share what they're learning from what I'm doing and what I'm talking about. And I think sometimes we think like, oh, it's just going to be this one big break, but it really comes from your audience. You know, like everything that's happened for me has happened thanks to my readers. And I am just so grateful for that. Like that makes me so happy, you know, to know that I'm like impacting people to the point that they want to tell everybody else about it. So I think Girl Code was probably the point where it felt like things were starting to explode and it was just, it was the best feeling ever. And I just, I want to maintain that. I want to do more and I want, you know, I want to, that's why I work so hard, I think, you know, just to continue to to see, you know, the, the fruits of my labor. Beautiful. And in that vein, I want to talk about another one of your platforms, which is your podcast. So I remember when your podcast was Slay Baby Radio, and it was literally on the radio. Yes. <laughs> I don't actually remember. What like what station was it on? It was um it was like a website and it was a it was an online radio station, but it was I don't even remember the name of it. It was like basically for like the personal development industry. Like so it was people that wanted radio shows, I guess, and it was like this basically network of all these different um hosts that could have their own sh- like streaming show. I remember it. I remember like tuning in through 
the internet. <laughs> and it was so cool because it really reminded me of the radio shows I wanted to exist when I was younger, you know, where we would listen. I would listen to my best friend with my best friend on Friday night to the radio station for like the shout outs and things. And it's so fun to have seen you take go from that platform to a podcast with 6 million unique downloads. <laughs> yeah. And I really got the impression that when you started, you were again just doing it to connect. You were just doing it to push your vision forward and to share that vision with others. Did you ever did you ever see it coming the success of, you know, this show, this radio show? And if you had seen it, do you think it would have changed the way you approached your that that work as you created that show from the beginning? I don't know, to be honest. I mean, I kind of love not knowing what's going to happen when I work on projects. Like I'm totally open to things not working out. I'm totally open to switching gears. So I kind of like the magic of not knowing. So putting myself out there, like again, on that little radio show was just purely like a passion project for me. I had no intentions of even having a podcast. I had no intentions of like I didn't set goals around it. I, I'm like, I'm really different than most people when it comes to goal setting. I don't set specific goals in terms of like, I want to have this many downloads or I want to earn this amount of income this year. Like, I really don't. I don't cling to those specific numbers and, you know, specific goals because I feel like when you do that, you have like a very, you don't allow yourself to see all of the other good stuff that's going on, right? Because you cling to that outcome. You kind of want like a specific thing to happen. So I think with the podcast and the radio show and and creating all of that, I was just open-minded about it all. I was like, let's just see what happens. Let's just do it because I really want to do it, not because I want it to turn into something big. Yes. Uh, we need, we really need that messaging because you know, so many people, like you said, with on Instagram, on social media, we look to the end result and we think like, okay, I'm doing this so that I can do this and this and this, but you miss out on so much of the magic that way and the enjoyment of letting something unfold naturally. And let's face it, if anyone is an overnight success, actually, we all be shitting our pants and <laughs> unable to function. So you're really being built up for this thing you're creating. And it's so important to enjoy that process. Yeah, I agree. It is it is a process and that's like where that's where you grow and that's where you learn about yourself and what you want and what you don't want and how you connect with people and I think like I love earning things. I don't want anything handed to me. Nothing's ever been handed to me and I wouldn't have wanted it to. So I love the process of earning something and I love the process of seeing it unfold and looking back and knowing I did that. You know, nobody handed me this. Nobody opened a door for me. Nobody shouted me out. Like no celebrity, like, you know, told people to go follow me. Like it was just all my own hard work. Absolutely. And that's a beautiful thing. So you're one of the few people in the online space, I feel, who really walks their talk when it comes to supporting women, to authentic connection. You know, you talk openly about the idea of, you know, a limiting the idea of competition between women. You have a huge sales-free Facebook group, the Slay Baby Collective, where women give and receive love and support. And you've created, you know, these live events where women can connect live. How do you feel competition holds us back in life and business? What do you think that competition keeps us from doing when we should be connecting instead? It completely stifles our creativity. I think that's the biggest thing that I have seen happen because people look around and they start to look at what they think are their competitors when in reality, I don't believe in competition because everyone is authentic. And if you can be yourself, you realize like how much you're actually needed because nobody's going to do it like you. There's just no way. Like somebody could write a book titles, Girl on Fire <laughs> with the same message and it's going to be a completely different book, right? Because they didn't live through my experiences. They don't know what I know. I don't know what they know. I haven't lived through their experiences. So I think when you start to look at your industry, and I, I really, it breaks my heart when women say, oh, my industry is saturated. There's so many life coaches. There's so many fashion designers. There's so many, you know, nutritionists, uh, work, you know, personal trainers, whatever it is that you're doing, there's no one out there that's going to do it like you. So when you shut yourself off from ever like putting yourself out there to create things, because you think that there's this competition, you are really depriving the world of your gift. And there's something special that every single person has to give. And if you don't allow yourself to explore that, like you miss out on so much and people miss out on so much because they don't get you. And it's just really sad to see. And I think you also cut yourself off from connection 
you know, I've, I've had experiences with women where, you know, I've reached out to people and I've wanted to support them and they have completely like shut me down or, you know, not taken me up on the offer to come on a podcast. And maybe they saw themselves as, as competition to me. I have no idea, but like, I could just tell, you just know when somebody is for whatever reason, not wanting to connect. And it's just sad because I think people would, I think women are so much more alike than we think we are, right? Like we sometimes don't allow ourselves to explore a relationship with someone or a friendship or a business partnership because we just assume like, oh, you know, they're doing the same thing as me. She's going to steal my ideas. Like I talk about it in Girl on Fire. I don't know if you read the part about the the, the vintage yep. pop-up. Yeah. <laughs> that was really I, I'll tell, tell the story now. Yeah. I'll Yeah. I'll tell the listeners. So I – you know, I have a vintage jewelry line and I love it. It's my passion project. It's just something that I do on the side. And I went to this flea market one day and I walked into this little like pop-up for this, this vintage store. And it was beautiful. It was decorated like so nicely. It had like this big sprawling couch and all these like antique like pieces and this rug. It was just gorgeous. And I walked in and I, you know, smiled at the woman who was working there. I'm assuming she was the owner, but she had her head buried in her phone. So she barely even looked at me. And I wanted to take a picture of her display because it was so inspiring to me because I eventually one day would love to own a brick and mortar store. It's just like a dream of mine. And I wanted to take the picture to keep it in my phone just as like a memory, like a like a little inspiration. Like, look, she's doing this. Like, you can do this too. And I asked her if I could take a picture and she said no. And I was like, oh, I said, do you mind if I ask like why? I totally respect that, but do you mind if I ask you why? And she was like, because people copy me. And if if you take a picture, somebody might copy me. And I said, well, I just wanted to show it to my friend who's a designer and we love spaces. And she, you know, she helps me like design my spaces. And she was like, if your friend wants to see my space, she can come here and buy something. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Um, thanks. Bye. <laughs> and I walked away and I remember just thinking like, wow, like she has such a uh, like a lack based mindset. She's not abundant, you know? And I think to be a, to be abundant doesn't mean you have money or things, or it means that you have an attitude of abundance, right? You feel like there's enough to go around. And I consider myself to be an extremely abundant person. And it made me sad because I thought, wow, maybe I could have actually been friends with this woman. Like she had this beautiful store. Maybe we could have collaborated. I probably would have posted her on Instagram and shouted her out and brought people into her space. But she cut me off so quickly because she didn't want me to steal her idea when in reality, even if I bought the same furniture as her, even if I had some of the same, you know, color schemes, pieces, whatever, I could never, my space would never look like hers. My space would look like something that I would have designed. So it just, it's the sad thing. And I think, you know, we, we really need to realize like what is at stake if we allow ourselves to just stay in that mindset. Absolutely. And it's just so boring. You know, it's so boring. And it's honestly a lot of work to be competitive instead of just sharing our ideas, you know, sharing our perspectives, sharing our inspirations. Yep. I, I totally agree. So speaking of, you know, that abundant mindset and being really abundant with your energy, with your time, how do you balance being so abundant in those ways with also being hugely productive in your multiple businesses? Um, that's a great question. I feel like you know, there's a lot of overlap, obviously, with that. I try to just stay as focused as I can when I'm doing whatever I'm doing. So for example, when I'm with my clients, my private clients, or when I'm creating something, I really try to let myself be in that space and be 100% focused on the task at hand. And then when I'm doing something like going on Instagram and responding to comments or answering emails, I try to be focused on that and really in the moment with, with whatever I'm doing. So it's hard because I, you know, I tend to kind of like get caught up in whatever energy I'm into that day. So if I'm in like a giving mode and I'm just like wanting to like answer questions and, you know, go on Facebook and go in the groups or whatever, I have to like remind myself like, okay, you also have work to do. <laughs> so like put a limit on this, you know, like you want to create something like that actually happened to me a lot when I was writing the book. I took a break from the podcast because the podcast is is free, right? It's like I put a lot of energy and a lot of work into it, but it's a free resource for people. And I took a break over the summer because I wanted to focus on the book. And I had to ask myself, like, what is more important right now? Putting out this book that has so much information packed into it and so much inspiration. This book can change people's lives. The podcast can too, but the book is something that I'm like going to put out there and hopefully really be able to scale and really be able to, you know, get into the hands of like 
hopefully millions of readers so that they can actually like take that action. So the book to me felt more important than maybe a 20-minute podcast episode. So I took a break and I focused my energy on the book and I was proud of myself for finishing it and completing it. And then I went back to the podcast. So I think it's just about prioritizing whatever it is that you're working on and like understanding why you're working on something versus something else and like being okay with that decision. Truly, it all comes back to the why. It all comes back to that bigger vision for what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I'd like to talk about how we can all stay true to ourselves when the world or quite honestly, even the world we've created as entrepreneurs wants to put us in a box. So I always say that branding is taking the seeming randomness of what makes you you and figuring out creative, authentic ways to share it with the world. But the problem is that we feel like we have to be one thing. We feel like we need to you know, ignore the beauty of this diversity of our identities and put ourselves in a box even before the world has had a chance to. You know, I think about all the identities I've seen you, um, you know, expose. I've seen you be the sophisticated Chanel-toting, champagne-drinking digital entrepreneur. I've seen you be the straight-talking woman with a riot girl heart. I've seen you be an outspoken activist for feminism and animal rights and so much more. So you do all these things. You have all of these identities. They are all who you are. And yet, I really feel like everything you put out, regardless of whether it's, you know, vintage necklaces or an amazing personal development book for women, I find it's all unmistakably Kara Alwell Leva. Aw, thank you. That's like the best compliment. I appreciate that. I mean, it really is true. And I know that that can be sort of I know it can be sort of scary to put new things out there, especially when you're known for a certain thing. And in Girl on Fire, you say it's complete, it is completely possible to shift, pivot, and do whatever it is that you want to do. You don't need to stay in your own lane. You need to create your own lane and thrive in it. So what made you decide to create your own lane and do what you wanted to do unapologetically? You know, it's just easier that way. <laughs> It's just, it's so easy to be yourself. Like when you just, when you take the rules away and you take the criticism away and the judgment away, right, that you put on yourself, it's just easier and it's just more fun and it allows for more flow and more excitement and more enjoyment, you know, in your business and whatever you're doing. And I actually just taught a workshop on personal branding and that was what I really encouraged my my students to know. Like, you, it's so much more work to try to be something else. It's exhausting, right? To try to, to show up. If, if anyone has ever tried to do this, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? If you've tried to make someone else happy, if you've tried to do something because your parents wanted you to do it or your partner wanted you to do it, it's just exhausting. So the sooner you can free yourself of that mindset, the sooner you can give yourself permission to just be who you really are, it's like you just, it's like a weight is lifted off of your shoulders. And it's not hard. You know, like you said, whether I'm putting out, you know, whether I'm selling a vintage necklace or I'm writing a book, it's all me. There's nothing calculated about that. It's just natural. It's just, I'm sharing the things that I love to share. So if you're, you know, if you're listening to this right now and you're like, oh, I really want to do something different. I really want to try something new. Just do it. Just try it. And I guarantee that the response that you get for that is going to be so much better than you imagine it to be. You know, I I never, ever, thank God, knock on wood, have had anyone come to me and say, this doesn't make sense, or I don't understand why you're doing this or why you're doing that. I think people really respect people who put themselves out there and just follow their hearts. I think it's inspiring to people. So if you can't do it for yourself, do it for your audience, do it for your clients, do it for your readers, whoever is you know, following you and admiring you, even if it's like your kids looking up to you, right? Like I think, especially moms, I don't have kids, but I work with a lot of moms and I tell them all the time, the sooner you can be yourself, the sooner you can make yourself happy, the sooner you can pursue your passions, the sooner your kids will see that and know that that's the kind of life that they want to live. You know, when whenever like I, I look at my mom and growing up, like she, she struggled. It's like single mom. My dad was a drug addict. He left at a very young age. He did not support us. My mom had to work this union job. She had to, she had no choice. She had health insurance. She had to, you know, pay the bills. She always wanted to be a teacher and knowing that about her and, you know, seeing like how sad it made her that she couldn't do what she loved, like really inspired me to get out there and never be in that position, never put myself in that position where I was stuck. 
And she's so proud of me now. And I know that it makes her so happy to see that I'm out there just doing whatever it is that inspires me. And she's like, wow, like you've really inspired me to to do things. Now she's retired. So she's taking chances and she's exploring things and she's really coming out of her shell. So I think it's just this beautiful sort of, you know, cycle of just inspiration and allowing people. I think when when a woman evolves, she shows another woman that it's okay to evolve. So do it for yourself, do it for your sisters, do it for your mothers, do it for your clients, just do it. The world's just so much more interesting when we just do whatever we we truly authentically want to do and we show up as who we truly are. And Kara, the funny thing is that the way, the energy with which you're expressing this is really the secret sauce, which is confidence. Yeah. And you know, when you're confident about what you're doing, people don't really question it because when they, I mean, I believe when people question it, it's really a reflection of our own doubts, our own fears around, you know, is this going to make sense to people? Will I receive criticism? And if you're leading with that fear, people are going to reflect that right back to you. Oh, 100%. Everything is energy. Everything. I mean, if you like, again, think about the women you admire, the men you admire, anyone, right, in your life who you really think is just like a total badass, they are all confident. They are all just showing up unapologetically, right? We don't admire people who are like nervous and second guessing themselves. We might like love them, but we don't necessarily want to aspire to be like that. Nobody wants to feel insecure. Nobody wants to feel self-doubt all the time. We look at people who are confident and we're motivated by that. We're inspired to show up in the same way. So it is all energy and it really is contagious. So the more you can surround yourself with people who are like that, even if you don't know them in real life, even if it's just watching interviews with them, like I love when I find a woman, (laughs) like a new person online that I'm inspired by, I go down a rabbit hole. And I start consuming all the content I can about her, especially interviews. And I love to just watch them speak. I feel like it rubs off on me and it inspires me. It really does. And it's those kind of virtual mentors that can really, really shape us in who we are becoming. Yep. Secret mentors. I've never had an actual... (laughs) Yeah. I tell this to everybody. I've never had an actual mentor. Like I've never had like an official mentor that I like sat down and had coffee with once a month or asked questions to or had any kind of like formal relationship with. I've had people in my life that I've called mentors, but they're that's not their title. They're just maybe good friends or people that have inspired me in some way. But I, you know, I think we think we need so much more than we actually do. You know, if you have a Wi-Fi connection, <laughs> you've got access to books and YouTube. It, I mean, you have everything you need. Fuck yes. It's the absolute truth. It really is. You know, all this, all these beliefs that you need X, Y, or Z. You need an expensive this. You need an expensive that in order to get started. It's just procrastination, you know? Yep, totally. So do you have, I mean, speaking of energy, do you have any spiritual practices that keep you grounded? And when you're answering this question, they can be sort of traditional spiritual practices or even things that don't seem spiritual to other people, but to you really ground and center you so that you can create this amazing work in the world. That's actually an interesting question. I was just asked this the other day and it's making me think I need some more. <laughs> it's like, well, I don't know. I take baths. Um, I love Hey, baths baths definitely count. Yeah. I wish I could take baths. I don't have a I don't have a bathtub. So. Oh man. Yeah. You need one. You need one. Um, like a detox bath is like one of my favorite things to do. And I guess it is spiritual because I do take that time to try to reflect and I really try to stay off my phone. Like I'll put music on and I'll just kind of think and soak and I'll put some essential oils in there. And that's kind of like my time. Um, It's sort of like my reset button. So, you know, when you have a computer that is crashing and everything's freezing, you know, and you have to restart it, that's kind of like what a bath does for me. Um, What else do I do? I mean, working out is kind of a spiritual thing for me as well, because again, it's all about just disconnecting and, and going inward and not feeling like, you know, it's my time where I don't have to be there for anyone else but myself. And I think when you're in a service-based career, like you're always giving. Like I even catch myself, you know, in a workout class, like I love SoulCycle (laughs) and I'll go there and it's like, everybody now knows me at SoulCycle. So they'll start coming up to me and asking me questions and for advice. And I'm like, okay, just answer and then move on. Like, this is your time. You have to honor that this is your time, you know, but like, (laughs) it's like a natural thing. Like I start asking people how they're doing. Oh, how's your podcast launching? How's the book going? Like we just have conversations and I'm, I'm a very giving person. So trying to create those spaces for myself where I can just be with me. It's like, that's to me is spiritual. That's a time to recharge. Um, I don't meditate. I really want to start meditating, but I don't know, maybe that'll be a 2020 goal, but I'm open to suggestions. I mean, if you have anything that works for you, (laughs) please tell me because I need more. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm actually, I have to say, I've been pretty obsessed with watching your um, sort of fitness and wellness journey because you have said that you were not a person who really enjoyed working out or eating well. And so now watching you like posting your food pics and you know, things on your stories about the recipes you're making and the work you're doing to become, you know, in even better shape and having even more energy for the world. It's been really inspiring. <laughs> Thank you. I try, you know, I try my best and it definitely doesn't come easy to me, but I feel like sharing it, sharing the fact that it doesn't come easy to me and sharing how much I struggle, I think helps other people, right? Because I don't know about you, but if I look at somebody with like a perfect body and six pack abs working out in the gym, like that does not motivate me. But if I see a girl who is in the middle of her journey and maybe still like wants to lose some weight or gain more muscle or become a leaner version of herself and she's in there trying, like that pushes me because I'm like, okay, I relate to you. <laughs> like we're both in this struggle. This is hard, you know, and we're doing our best. We want to be our best selves. So I really try to just show everything and I try to be as real as I can and I try to eat as well as I can. And, you know, I'm not perfect. That's that's for sure. I love to go out and, you know, have my drinks and eat my pizza from time to time. And, like have those moments, but I think it's just about showing the journey and I, I just I love to share whatever's working for me and it really has helped me so much to put a focus and an emphasis on fitness and nutrition, you know, and it's it's been a process and it's I think it will always be a process. It's one of those things that just like, you know, personal development, just like learning about yourself and your career and all of these things, like it's something we have to work on every single day. Truly. I, I remember one day I was PMSing and <laughs> so I was like really, you know, feeling very sensitive and I was at the gym and I saw somebody working out in a wheelchair and I literally wow. cried. Oh my God. Like cried from inspiration. Yeah. I was like, wow, I, and I'm complaining. <laughs> I know. About no. having to be here. Like what, what must you have to work through both physically and mentally to be able to, you know, do that for yourself. It was really inspiring. <laughs> yeah. My friend Shane, uh, my friend Noah, actually, I was just talking to my friend. My friend Noah has a, uh, a, like a mantra and he always says, I get to do this, right? Like I get yes. to do this. I don't I have to do this. All the time. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think of it all the time too. And I'm like, wow, I can run. I have two legs that work and my body will carry me. I can run. Like I don't love to run, but I can, and I get to. So whenever I feel like, oh, I really don't want to go to that gym. I really like I, I get to do this and it totally shifts my perspective. You post a lot about your coffee rituals. I feel like that could be a spiritual practice for you. You know, that morning time to center and make the perfect coffee and really take that time for yourself. Oh yeah. Coffee is very spiritual coffee <laughs> for me. Coffee meditation. <laughs> it is. It really is. And it's like, I'm just an early bird, like by nature. I just like, I get up like today I slept in until about seven 30. That was like so late for me. I was like, whoa. Um, but I love that time in the morning when it's still dark out and like nobody's awake. And I, you know, I just have that little moment to myself. It really does make a whole, you know, difference in the way that my day starts. You know, it's interesting because you express sort of that longing to get into meditation and really meditation can be anything. And I think with meditation, I'm a big proponent of meditation in all its forms. And I find that for most people, we have this definition that it has to be like an hour on a cushion in silence. Otherwise it doesn't count. And it's just not true. You know, we can do these, take these shorter moments, whether we officially call the meditation or not to do the same thing, which is empty the mind ground and center and just be open to, you know, higher guidance in whatever we are facing. Yeah. I love that you said that because I do think that it can feel intimidating. I know for me, I, I see people meditating or I hear people talk about it and they're like, oh, I, you know, I love it. It changed my life. Like I'm so good at it. Like, and I'm like, wow, they must like really just be sitting there, like you said, on a pillow for a half hour, like not thinking of anything. I just that is not something that even appeals to me. I don't even want to do that. You know, I want the benefits of it, but I don't want to do it in that way. I think for me, like Soul Cycle feels like a moving meditation. You know, being on that bike, like I really do go somewhere else and it really does allow me to clear my head. So I think that is a great perspective, right? To just make it work for you and do it in a way that feels good for you. Absolutely. I mean, that's really for anything in life. It's that consistency. It doesn't have to be perfect to be successful, you know? Exactly. And that's really the underlying message of everything we've talked about today. It doesn't have to be perfect. You just have to keep doing it, keep taking action, keep showing up for yourself, keep showing up for your audience, even when it doesn't feel like you have one yet. <laughs> and just keep moving. Yeah. 
that's the best time to show up because I tell this to all of my girls. I'm like, if no one is watching you, this is the best time ever because no one's going to like leave you a weird comment. Nobody's going to question you. Nobody's like, you're free and clear to do whatever you want and mess up and fumble and feel awkward. Like do it now. Like use this time when there's not a thousand eyes on you and or like a million people following you on Instagram and and use the time to play and explore. I mean, that's what life is about. And I think at the end of the day, that's like if you're going into business, and especially this goes for entrepreneurs, anybody creating something, whether it's art, whether you're writing, music, if you're creating something, the entire point of creating that thing is to enjoy it, is to have fun, is to express yourself freely. So don't forget that. Don't get caught up in feeling like everything has to be perfect because then you're essentially just ruining the whole thing. Like you're like you're literally taking all of the joy out of it. So if you can allow yourself to play, you know, I think of kids. When you look at a kid playing, like they just have this like sense of wonder about everything. They're so excited about life. Even like a puppy. My mom, my mom just got a puppy. And it's inspiring to like watch this little dog just like run around and like just be so excited about life. And like we all just need to like chill and kind of take that as inspiration for ourselves. Right. I mean, don't take, we can't take ourselves so seriously. I tell my clients when they're starting new projects and they're freaking out of like, what what will people say? I always say, you'll be lucky if people say anything at all. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. It's so true. It's like, I say this all the time. I'm like, nobody really cares that much about you. (laughs) No one cares. Everybody cares about themselves. Even in like the gym, like so many people will say, oh, I don't want to work out. Everyone's looking at me. I'm like, no, they're looking at themselves in the mirror. Nobody cares about you. It's so true. It's so true. And it's really important to remember that, especially when we can sometimes have this false sense of visibility online. And, you know, while yes, we are, we do, we do want to grow to become more visible, but at the same time, we need to be realistic, which is like you said, probably most people aren't even paying attention or noticing or even reading what we're talking about. So (laughs) take advantage of that and use it, you know, to motivate you to be more vulnerable, to be more authentic, and to really, you know, do the thing you're afraid to do without a million people watching. Totally agree. So do you have, what is your one, your number one piece of advice for anyone listening who's ready to choose themselves and blaze their own trail? Just start. Just get moving. Take one action step. It could be the smallest thing you do. It could like literally just be sending an email or writing something down, writing down like your intention on a piece of paper, just get moving, get out of your head and just get moving. Thank you. That, that really, that focus on moving forward on taking action is what's gotten you to where you are today. And it's so inspiring because anybody can start. We don't need, as you've demonstrated, we don't need, you know, an expensive program or a book deal or, you know, a really high priced coach even to get moving. We just need to decide to do it, decide to move forward and decide that we're going to make it happen no matter what it takes. Yep. Yep. That is exactly what I tell everybody. I'm like, I just like, that's my whole goal with writing my books, especially Girl on Fire. Like my whole intention, my one intention for this book was just to get the reader to move. That's it. I just want you to move. I want you to do something after you read this book. I have exercises in it. Um, you know, all sorts of like inspirational, like tools to get you going. Like that's, that's the main thing. Like, cause you could read, you could listen to podcasts, you can do all these things. You could even hire a coach, but if you're not showing up and doing the work for yourself, there's no point to any of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Kara, tell us where we can find you online. Tell us where we can find your book and how we can dive into learning more about your work. Sure. So my books are all available on Amazon. So if you search my name, Carol Alwaleba, or you search Girl on Fire, you can find my books there. Um, my website is thechampagnediet.com and I'm on Instagram at thechampagnediet. And my podcast is called Style Your Mind and it's on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all the good podcast places. Amazing. And everyone listening, as usual, I will be including links to all of those resources in the show notes. So be sure to check those out. Thank you so much for joining me for this conversation, Kara. I've really enjoyed unpacking your sort of formula for success. And I really enjoyed just experiencing how different it is, honestly, how honest it is, how raw it is, and how it's rooted not in, you know, trying to be something we're not, but embracing exactly who we are. So thank you so much for joining me today. 
Thank you, Caitlin. This was awesome. Thank you for everybody who is listening. I hope that this was helpful and I really appreciate you having me. Okay, so I'll bet you're excited to hear how you can win one of the three copies of Kara's new book, Girl on Fire, that I'm giving away. So luckily for you, it's super easy because I don't know about you, I freaking hate when there are giveaways with a thousand steps. It's like no prize in the world is worth that, at least to me. Maybe I'm lazy. I don't know. (laughs) Okay, so basically there's two steps. First, go ahead and leave an iTunes review of this episode or of the podcast in general. So you can talk about this episode, what was your favorite takeaway, or you can talk about what you love about this podcast in general, or you can talk about both because let's spread the love. Why not? So if you don't know how to do that, I have a tutorial on my Instagram saved stories. So you can click the show notes for the link to my Instagram feed, or you can find me at Caitlin Matanley. So once you leave the Um, Or once you've written your, um, whatchamacallit, your review, (laughs) for some reason I'm just blanking on common words here. Once you've written your review of the episode slash podcast, I want you to screenshot it. Now, you have to screenshot it before you submit it because when you submit it, it takes like a few days for iTunes to approve it. Sometimes it doesn't show up. It's weird. So just skip all that nonsense. Take a screenshot right away. If you forget to take a screenshot and you've already submitted it, I mean, I guess you could just wait for it to pop up, but you'd have to be monitoring it regularly and like seeing when your review pops up, blah, blah, blah. So just remember to take a screenshot beforehand so you don't have to worry about all that. So once you do that, I want you to post that screenshot in your Instagram stories and just tag me. That's how I'm going to know that you have entered the giveaway and from there... I'm going to have your name on a list, plus I'll have, I'll, I'll be connected to you on Instagram. So just to go back, two steps, leave a review. I guess it's three steps. Screenshot the review before submitting it and then post it to your Instagram stories tagging me. Again, if you don't remember where I'm on Instagram, everything is in the show notes at Caitlin Matanley. But you can find that in the show notes if, you know, you can't spell my name just like everyone else can't. <laughs> So if you've already left a podcast review in the past, you won't be able to submit another one. That's no problem. Just make up another story in your Instagram stories about this episode. You can screenshot as you're listening to it, whatever you want to do, and tag me. Again, the important thing is to tag me. And then on January 1st, Happy New Year, I will pull three names to receive a copy of the book, and you will be contacted via Instagram if you're the winner. So if you have any questions at all, of course, you can contact me personally. My contact info is in the show notes, but it's super simple. You have three chances to win. I'm super excited to get this book to three of you for free. So be sure to enter the giveaway. You have until January 1st to get entered. So don't wait. Go ahead and do it right now before you forget. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. I hope you absolutely loved this episode. Hell, I don't hope. I know you loved the episode because it was damn good. I loved this conversation. Even I, what I love about interviewing people for the show is that I get to go back and listen and just like relive the conversation and appreciate all the nuggets that were dropped onto my willing ears. So thank you so much for tuning in. I can't wait to talk to you all again soon and stay tuned for the next episode. Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, be sure to leave me a five-star review on the Apple Podcasts app. To keep the episodes coming, click on the link in the show notes to support the show for as little as $1 a month. I am so grateful to have you as part of this movement. I'll see you soon.